Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, welcome in on a Friday. Anything happened since we went off the air yesterday? Anything at all? Haven't seen anything. Everything's fine. All the coordinators are in place. Nothing weird to say. What? We'll get to all of that, you know. We were sitting here yesterday, minding our own business, talking about basketball. When uh, all of a sudden Syracuse was down one uh, coordinator with Tony White's uh, journey to Nebraska yesterday. And then there I was, minding my own business, sitting on the couch last night, not paying any attention at all to the TV that had the Thursday night football game on because it was trash. And then suddenly, Baker Mayfield's leading a 98-yard game-winning drive and we're an hour deep into Syracuse losing and then finding its new offensive coordinator. A lot can happen without getting off the couch. We will talk all of that. Tony White, Robert and I, we hardly knew ye. And off to the future with new offensive coordinator Jason Beck and new defensive coordinator Nick Monroe? Question mark. We shall see. Basketball talk of the show as well. Q's Georgetown still tomorrow. One o'clock tip in the dome. We'll get to that. Hear a little from Jim Beheim later on in the hour. They're playing the footy tonight down in Cary, North Carolina. There are four soccer teams left playing in the Country, Syracuse is one of them. They'll take on Creighton tonight in the NCAA semifinals at 6 o'clock. Shout out to Ian McIntyre and the boys. Good luck to them uh, this evening. World Cup uh, quarterfinal action is on right now. In front of my face, the Dutch and the Argentinians. We will uh, hit on uh, that as well throughout the show today. But uh, football, at least at the beginning here, is going to be our main topic. And... We said it yesterday. The Tony White news was not surprising on the face of it. It just I was surprised in the moment because I we were talking basketball. You know, it's the the age old uh, question around here: Is it basketball season? Yes, 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 and yes. Okay, so it is basketball season. Um, the football regular season is over. The bowl game's not for a few weeks, so it's not football season. Wait, no. Is it still football season? Yes. Yes. That's that's right. It's both of them. It's bo- Is it football and basketball season? You're goddamn right I did! Okay. So, um, thanks, Jack. Uh, it's everything season. Football season never rests. Never. Like, the NFL is a 24-7, 365 operation. College football is not quite that, but boy, is it trending that way. And we... Talked all week. Well, the transfer portal. Oh, the transfer portal. You can get in the portal here. You can get out of the portal there. Who's in the portal? Who's not in the portal? Where are they going in the portal? How do you get in the portal? Where is the portal? Does it have a door? How do you get in? Syracuse says six players in the portal. Does any of them really matter? Well, this matters. The coaches don't have a portal. They just go. They have contracts. The contracts all have buyouts or not, and... If one coach really wants to go from one place to another, they find a way. Nate Mink will join us at 2.30 today. You know, that news broke yesterday with Tony White. Say, huh, who could, who could talk about this today? 
And, you know, Nate was all over that saga back in this time of the year, 2019, into January of 2020. It was a lengthy search for a defensive coordinator at the time, if you recall. Like, a ve- like an oddly lengthy search. Like, what in the heck is Dino doing lengthy search? Well, what he was doing at the time, as it turns out, he was getting it right. With a little bit of help from the outside world, I guess. He became intrigued by the Rocky Long system. Long time at that year. It just wrapped up what turned out to be his final year. He was retiring as head coach of San Diego State at the time. Didn't quite succeed in retiring. He's still working. Uh, Dino became intrigued by that system. And it it led down a road from Zach Arnett to Tony White that we'll get into. And uh, to three, or at least two, pretty excellent years of uh, Orange defense. Setting the COVID-2020 year out of sight, out of mind. Defense was actually okay that year, but not to the level of the uh, the last two seasons, and off Tony goes. So it's it's crazy times. And what's so interesting about this, like on the face of it, like if if you didn't think Syracuse was going to have to fight to keep Tony White or have to keep him just because he wanted to be here, not because he was getting a better offer, be it money, like he got at Nebraska. I'm hearing his salary uh, is likely to be close to doubled doubled what he was making here at Syracuse. You can give him a raise. You weren't going to double his salary. Like So if a guy goes and doubles his salary, you don't begrudge him. Even if it is, quote, unquote, the same position. Well, if somebody's going to pay you twice as much to do the same thing, yeah. Now, I haven't heard what uh, Robert and I was making nor what he is making. Likely more. Who knows what the the move is based on there, and if he'll reunite with Brennan Armstrong and all the stuff that goes into it. And on the face of it, each of the separate moves is makes sense, and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is fine. Is fine. Each of the separate moves. Like Tony White leaving, you expect that. You hired a guy as a hot up-and-comer three years in, did a great job. Yeah. People are coming in with a bag, and he took it. You expect that. Honestly, you hope that. If that didn't happen, that would mean that he stunk at his job the last three years. Like, you knew he was an up-and-comer. That's good. That's a good thing. That means maybe the next up-and-comer says, hey, this is a place I can come and then leave on better terms. Look what happened to former Dino assistant Sean Lewis. Like, he's he just doubled his salary, too. Robert and I. You know, I'm sure there's reasons he went there. Is it just money? Is it other things? Whatever. There's all reasons for it. But it all happening within seven hours. It's the optics. It's the optics of it all that freak you out as a Syracuse fan. That as I, at least momentarily, I, I you know, I'm sure Dino has reached out and talked to the players today and all that stuff or last night or whenever he did. And hopefully uh, the seas have been calmed. But, you know, you saw on Twitter and the Graham and whatnot. Like, yeah, this caught the players off guard. And not not just the player, like the players you know. Who's Chestnut, Marlo Wax, like on and on. It caught them off guard. Well, if it catches the current team off guard, you're darn sure it's catching recruits off guard. Robert and I was in somebody's house yesterday wearing a Syracuse sweatshirt, recruiting them to come to Syracuse, I think. Hopefully he was recruiting them to come to Syracuse. 
It's a very peculiar business. The optics are bad. Is the end result bad? Who knows? The end result's probably, you know, everything's going to be okay. But the optics are terrible for Syracuse football. You're once in a, once again, in a reactive, not a proactive position. Now, Jason Beck has been named, from what we understand, the new offensive coordinator, and not in a temporary manner, not just for the bowl game, not just to see what he's got. And from all accounts, and this is not like speculating, like Garrett Schrader said it specifically, like he's really enjoyed working with Jason Beck, and has talked, he talked about all year about the variety of things Beck did to, to help out his game, how when Garrett was hyper, Beck would be calm. Now, Jason's not called plays before at this level, but, you know, you got <laughs> you got to do it sometime, right? There's no reason to believe he can't do the job. There's no reason to be certain he can't. It's a reasonable situation. Tony White leaving, a reasonable situation. And yet, when it all happens in the same day, and it happens to Syracuse, it's a terrible look. Dino Babers has accepted the job at Purdue. No, we we get. Uh, you know, it's uh, basically a day and a half after that reports the wrong word, but you know the way those things happen. Sorry, uh, th- th- that is um, for the most part those coaching search articles are agent driven, not information driven. But it's in a situation here. From what we understand, Dino Babers has two years remaining on his contract. Does that cause unrest in staff? Because when the head coach goes, the staff goes, for the most part. Does that, like, not knowing the future, does that cause unrest in Robert and I? Who knows? But the fact that all of these things happen in a seven-hour period allows you to speculate whatever you want without Dino, the university, the football team, anybody being able to control the message. It's out the bottle, and now, if you are a 17-year-old, that's a four-star recruit sitting in New Jersey, if you are a 37-year-old that's a hot up-and-coming assistant, you're going to think whatever you want after yesterday about Syracuse football. That could be good still. It could be bad. But there's no control over the message anymore. It, it went haywire um, yesterday. And as we dive into it, you know, it's two weird closed loops. Uh, the name Beck is very important. The offensive coordinator thing all happened, all began happening when Tim Beck the former now offensive coordinator of NC State, as expected, took the head coaching job at Coastal Carolina. That happened the other day. So Tim Beck is gone. Dave Doran has an opening. Dave Doran, who's being paid handsomely to the tune of more than $5 million a year at NC State, locked in through 2026, obviously calls up Robert and I at some point. And whatever the terms are, whatever it may be, that was a better situation for Robert than Syracuse. So he takes the job, he's gone, and then it, it sounds like things were acted on very quickly. Now, who knows if they also offered Jason Beck to come down there. That we don't know. But clearly things were acted on very quickly to keep him in Syracuse as the offensive coordinator. And not as the interim offensive coordinator, as the offensive coordinator. Now, he's worked with Robert and I for years now. Like I wouldn't expect the offense to change in the grand scheme of things other than, you know, any play caller does things slightly different than the person before them, even if they're running the exact same offense. So it went from a back at NC State leading to a back at Syracuse. But 
the thing that took up far too much of my time yesterday was the idea of who is going to be the next defensive coordinator. Or more specifically, who could be the next defensive coordinator. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. No time to say hello. Goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there, make a lot of noise, and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit. Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble. So down the rabbit hole we go. And we go down the rabbit hole of the six degrees of Rocky Long. Because three years ago, when Syracuse last needed a defensive coordinator, Dino Babers had been around the 4-3 defense essentially his whole life. He's an offensive guy, but he's the head coach. He's got control over these things. He'd always been around, for the most part, the 4-3. That had been his defense the entire time here at Syracuse, was the 4-3. He wanted to make a change three years ago because he didn't feel it was meshing well with what they were doing on offense. He needed something that connected to what he was doing with the rest of the program. So he went and looked around and came upon the idea that he liked this 3-3-5 defense. And more specifically than that, because not a lot of teams run it, but there's plenty. There's plenty of teams. But he wanted the Rocky Long style of 3-3-5 defense. There's not a lot of teams that run that. And essentially, anyone that runs that, and it's a very, 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 very short list, the best I could tell may literally only be four teams right now, that he wanted that lineage. Rocky came here to Syracuse in December of 2019, and, you know, they watched the film, they did the whole thing. I I think it was legitimately considered that Rocky himself, who was retiring at that point from San Diego State, might take, essentially, he was 69 years old at the time, a retirement job as the defensive coordinator at Syracuse. Now, that did not come to pass at the time. Initially, the job was offered and accepted by Rocky's then defensive coordinator at San Diego State, Zach Arnett. Zach, you know, who knows how paperwork works, but I don't know if he ever actually signed the contract or not, or if he was just let go, or who knows, He was technically the defensive coordinator of Syracuse for 11 days before he got given um, a lot more money to go take that same position at Mississippi State. Enter Tony White, who had worked with them both at San Diego State and more recently had been on the staff at Arizona State. And that's how we got to Tony White, who worked for Rocky Long. Zach Arnett worked for Rocky Long. Where's the retired Rocky Long now? Uh, He forgot to retire. Rocky Long is the defensive coordinator at New Mexico right now. He a lobo. He's 72. Who took over for Rocky Long at San Diego State? Former Michigan head coach, Brady Hoke. You know who Brady Hoke is? He's a former Rocky Long assistant, and he got back to San Diego State. He was Rocky Long's defensive coordinator. He's the head coach there. And that's where the tree dies. You say, okay, so Dino decided he wanted to run this defense. He wanted to run the Rocky Long defense. 3-3-5 defense, he went and ended up with Tony White. It worked out great. Let's assume this. For the sake of argument, I have no idea if this is the case, but 
if that's what you wanted to run and that style was successful for three years, it would figure Dino would still want to run that style. Who can run that style of defense? Well, Rocky Long, is he available? Are you going to go hire a 72-year-old who's essentially retired but is the defensive coordinator of New Mexico? Probably not. I suppose you could. Probably not. Can you go get Zach Arnett? Well, no. He already turned down this job that he accepted because he was getting paid more money at Mississippi State, where he's still in the same position. Well, you can't go hire Tony White. He was just here and he left. Well, is there somebody else that is deeply versed in this rocky long defense that you can go hire and elevate him to a position higher than his current standing? At best, I can tell. And I don't know if this surprised me or not, but best I can tell, the answer to that question is no. There is no like nine-year assistant that has cut their teeth on this defense under some combination of Long, Arnett, White, San Diego State that is now ready for the move. I don't think that person exists. Best I've found. Could be wrong. But man, the Google machine was overheating last night trying to find the answer to that question. Okay. So is there anybody a little more recent? Well, you go look at San Diego State staff. Their defensive coordinator is one Kurt Maddox. If you've never heard of him, join the group. You know how long he's been there? Three years. That's how long Tony White was here. All right, let's go look at the staff at Mississippi State. Did Zach Arnett bring somebody with him, a longtime aide, somebody that is deeply versed in this system of defense, this specialized, successful system of defense? Uh, No, he didn't. He was the only one on the staff that had anything to do previously with that defense. All of the other defensive assistants essentially uh, came with Mike Leach from Washington State. So that's a no. Which brings us back to Syracuse, where apparently if you have been an assistant on defense in Syracuse for the last three years and worked with Tony White and learned from Tony White and from everything we heard, now this was COVID. Tony took the job like late December, early January into 2020. So they had a few weeks in the office. And again, that's a recruiting period. You're getting ready for the other signing day, the whole thing. There's a few weeks in the offense to teach it. Spring ball starts. And like right after spring ball started, bang, complete shutdown. This was March 2020. So he was teaching this defense to the coaches, the assistant coaches on the team at the time, basically over Zoom. And then they, in turn, were teaching it to the players, essentially over Zoom. 2020 was a bit of a rough year in the history of Syracuse football, as we know. So who actually has experience with this? And then Nick Monroe's the next name up. Monroe's been slowly elevated. He's been with Dino now for a very long time, going back to Bowling Green. So, and it sounds like Nick is going to get the chance to be the interim defensive coordinator, at minimum at least for the bowl game. Everyone likes Nick. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Nick. He is the swag daddy, self-proclaimed. And correctly so, if I might add. You say, should should he get the full-time gig? Well, no, he's not called the place before or anything like that. But if you're saying, we want to keep this defense, who is going to coordinate it? Best I could tell, unless you're going to go get the OG, who's now 72 years old and said he was retiring three years ago but didn't. And Rocky Long himself, who's only ever worked out west. And it's probably not going to be, uh, you know, pounding the pavement recruiting at 72 years old. The next best guy looks like he's probably in-house. 
We'll see where Dino goes with it. There's no rule he has to keep this defense. You can change to anything else you want. You go get the best guy and, and do what they want to do. That may be the correct answer to the question. But three years ago, Dino spent a lot of time specifically researching this defense, made the call, and it worked out. Now, three years later, step two of that call uh, looks like it's going to be significantly more problematic to figure out. With that, we break. When we come back, a little soccer talk? National semifinals tonight? The hearts of a nation breaking earlier this afternoon? Nate Mick joining us at 2.30 to uh, hash out this whole Rocky Long situation as well and get into the Orange offensive coordinator situation that went from a nine to Beck in the span of about seemingly an hour last night. With that, we take a break. Back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is the 315 with Brian Higgins. All right, here we are back on the show. Good conversation with Nate Mink, breaking it down. See what happens, Ed. We're going to have to see. Like, does Dino stick with the 335? Does he go in house? Does he tweak it slightly? That opens up your your pool of coaches. Very interesting to see. Dino had this decision three years ago, and he it worked out about as well as he could have. We'll see how it goes this time around for Dino Babers in a search for a new defensive coordinator. He lost an offensive coordinator yesterday and found one in the office next door as Jason Beck has assumed that position. But right now, the man who sort of knows needs a little bounce back week. Two and four last week. Let's see what he knows today. Could we have the money now? The answer is no. I'm afraid I must insist. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. What if there was a restaurant that didn't serve any food and just served up gambling? This horse loves the slop. I thought gambling was illegal. <laughs> Not if no one sees you do it. Father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother. No, I think it still is. But not if no one knows about it. I didn't know you know how to play poker, Lois. Yeah. Well, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's good, honey. Guaranteed bets. The man is a gambler. Results not guaranteed. Pay that man his money. It's the man who sort of knows. All right, let's see what the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week. We know the man who sort of knows knows women's basketball. A light women's basketball slate today. There's no games for the man to sort of know to think he knows. Uh, today's going to go elsewhere. A lot more NFL than he normally picks. What does that mean? We will start tonight on the ice. The last time the Buffalo Sabres were on the ice, they scored nine goals. Tage Thompson, yeah, his actual name is Tage, scored five of them. You know who's from Baldwinsville? Like 70 pro athletes. It's inexplicable. Alex Tucks from Baldwinsville. You know you could bet on in the NHL? How many shots a guy's going to take? The man who sort of knows says Alex Tuck going over two and a half shots on goal tonight versus the Penguins. That number is hitting five straight games and think it'll be easy tonight because the defense is going to have to guard the guy that just scored five goals in a professional hockey game. Alex Tuck over in shots tonight. Army-Navy, they play football every year. It's a big deal. They don't score a lot of points. The over-under for this game tomorrow in Philadelphia is 32. That has hit 16 straight years as an under. 85% of the money in the game is currently on the under. The man who sort of knows says, screw that. Fade the public. Take the over in Army and Navy, which actually is not going to take a whole lot of points to get there. 32 is uh, very few points. They're playing golf tomorrow. It's... 
quote-unquote, the match under the lights somewhere on the golf course. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, the man who sort of knows is on Spieth and Thomas. Why? Uh, how ready is Tiger? Like, he was supposed to play in a, a tournament a couple weeks ago and he pulled out. So that, that could almost be like a 2v1.5 thing. Spieth and Thomas over Rory and Tiger in that one. And three from the NFL. The Bucks are three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at the 49ers. The 49ers are very good. The Bucks are not so good. Except for this. Consider this. Tom Brady is a three-and-a-half-point underdog to Brock Purdy. Take Tom. The Giants, seven-point dogs at home versus the Eagles this weekend. The Eagles are very good. The man who sort of knows knows this. In December, teams that have won 90% or more of their games, the Eagles have, they're 11-1, and one, are just 18% against the spread of late as road favorites. The Eagles are road favorites of seven. Take the Giants to cover. Chiefs at the Broncos, mile high on Sunday. The over-under is 44 points. The Broncos go under, folks. Their defense is good. Their offense is bad. Take the under. Broncos' unders are 11-1 this season. The Broncos themselves are much worse than that. And that's what the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week. An officially official we knew this already, but it's officially, officially, officially announced Jason Beck is officially the new offensive coordinator for Dino Babers and the Arch. Barry Osako, six-pack, next. QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Cannot deny that. Rolled along here on this Friday. You know, we haven't talked about yet the basketball game tomorrow. There's a basketball game tomorrow. But before that, that this happened during the break. During the break. Fun fact. Andres Cantor is Argentinian. So he'd be very excited about the goal for the penalty spot. Just converted by one little Messi. Argentina 2 and the Dutch nothing into the 77th minute. Winner will get Croatia in the semifinals of the World Cup. Tuesday, when? During this very show. When we'll be breaking down what happened Monday when Syracuse plays Monmouth. Anyway. That's a little World Cup update, but back to the hoops. Haven't really talked about it today. We're all up in talking about it yesterday when all the football news uh, just descended from on high. But uh, Jim Beheim, as he does on Thursday night, he has the Jim Beheim show on the radio uh, nationally or around the state. Then he has the local part, and then he stays at eight thirty. You know what he does? Q Sports Talk only. Questions from the people in the chat. He got questions, he answered uh, questions, and now we're going to hear something from Jim Beheim. It's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the wheel of Beheim. So tomorrow at the Dome, even though the names have been up there for the Ring of Honor for two more than two years, since like August of 2020, the names have been up there for a minute. Uh, tomorrow officially... Officially, 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 Jim Beheim and the Pearl are going into the Ring of Honor. This is weird. I guess uh, if this is their official induction, the guy whose name was up there sixth, Roy Simmons uh, Jr., was technically the first person into the Ring of Honor because he was honored for it before the other guys, which are the 344s and Jim and Pearl. So there's that. 
Anyway, here was this last night. Gomez was with Coach, and a, a question came in asking uh, Jim if he remembered uh, the first time that he saw Pro Washington play, and the answer came back when he's a sophomore playing against seniors at an event down in New York City. Before the second game, people started to come in. And by the time it was ready for the warm-ups for the second game, Pearl's game, there was standing room. People were chanting, Pearl, Pearl. He's only a sophomore. Chanting, and he's playing against the seniors from Manhattan. And here comes Pearl out there. And uh, he looks our, you know, ordinary warm-up. And it was like the first play, he took the ball, went through four guys and laid it up. And his place is going crazy. And then he did it again. You know, and it was like, he just went through four guys, four seniors. Again. And made a layup. <laughs> again. And it's like, you couldn't even see. It was a blur. The great Pearl Washington. I, I can't even imagine. Like, Pearl, it's impossible to understand for us that weren't there. Like, I mean, when Pearl was a sophomore in high school, I guess I wouldn't have been born yet, or I would have been like a couple weeks old or something, however the, the years would have worked out then. So I, I was not in attendance at said game. But it, it's impossible to understand. I mean, Pearl is a New York City legend. A New York City playground legend. Legend. And he was that when that meant everything in basketball. Like, this dude was famous in ways that are impossible to comprehend for a time without social media, without any of that stuff. Without any, like, it, it's word of mouth. It was all that stuff. And Pearl, it was the answer to our trivia question uh, yesterday for tickets for the game tomorrow. It was won by Wayne in the truck. Congrats again, Wayne. That, you know, Pearl hit the little the shot that beat Georgetown in 85. And, man, you watch the highlights on, like, the moves he makes. His, his style... It, his game and style just doesn't resemble anyone else. It's so different from how people played the game then and how people play the game now. He just did it his own way, man. Like Steph Curry has uh, spawned a bajillion imitators these days, and obviously nobody quite does it like Steph. Like nobody did it like the Pearl then, and nobody followed up and did it like the Pearl. He was he was unique. He was a unique basketball talent, and will officially, even though he's already in it, he will officially be inducted into the Ring of Honor at the Dome for the game tomorrow. And uh, what an important game it is. Houston and Georgetown. Georgetown's not good. They're 5-5. Five and five. They nearly lost to Siena the other night. They literally could not give away tickets to the game. Like, if you showed up and, like, waved an ID at them at the box office and needed one ticket, they gave you four. You could have laid down in the rows. They had 3,000-ish at the game the other night in an NBA arena in Washington, D.C. They're 500. They aren't your game above 500. The records are similar. But the aren't. it's a rivalry game. It's the whole thing. The aren't have to win this game. You've lost two in a row to Georgetown. I get it. Georgetown has some decent players. they got guards that can play. They have size that Jesse's going to have to deal with in a different way than he's dealt with of late. The aren't have to win this game. Just to keep it going. Just to keep it going. You're, you have a chance here to, to compile wins in a row. And I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, this would be a great resume win. It's not about that right now. It's not about building a resume right now. You, you can't really help your resume now. You can only hurt it. You got to win these games just to put yourself in a position to say, yeah, we're a good team and ready to roll in the ACC this year. You got to win these games. And, man, 
They lost two in a row to Georgetown. <laughs> you can't lose three in a row to them. No way, no sir, no how. It's a big game. It's a rivalry game. I'm intrigued to see what the crowd's going to be like tomorrow. Certainly into the 20s. We'll see how far it rises. But you, you know that. The, the vibe in the crowd, the energy in the crowd. There was nobody at the Dome the other night. I get it. It was Oakland. That place was empty, empty. It's not going to be that tomorrow. You're going to get a, you're going to get the first real dome vibe of the season. The Dutch have scored. The Dutch have scored. Goal! Well, that was a nice goal. Some dude just driving in a big tall to header. All right, Dutch goal, two one Argentinians. Anywho, huge game in the dome uh, tomorrow. And if you're the aren't you got to win it. Like you're, you're the better team. Go out in the Dome. First Georgetown game in the Dome with fans since Tyus Battle at the game winner in 2018. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's not a case of it being easy. Now, Messi's in a crumpled heap on the field, which probably means he's fine. But you have to go win this basketball game tomorrow. I don't care who gets it done or how you get it done. You, you, cannot, you cannot lose three in a row in this series. And you cannot go into the Dome when there's going to be 20,000, 25,000 people, whatever they'll be in there tomorrow. You, you just can't lose the game. This is not a uh, strategy thing. It's not a tactics. This is not analyzing lineups. This is not any of that. This is Cuse, Georgetown. You've lost two in a row to them. Don't lose three. <laughs> sometimes, man, sometimes it's just as simple as that. And we're looking forward to it tomorrow, 1 o'clock tip time. Axel have pregame coverage at noon. Diva and I will have post-game coverage at 3-ish. Sean McDonough's in town. He's on the call tomorrow on ABC. The game's on ABC, so keep that in mind. When's the last time a game's been on ABC? I've said that all week, and I haven't come up with an answer. I don't recall the last time I've watched a basketball game on ABC, a college basketball game on ABC. Maybe it's more recently than I think. I just, you know, it's, oh, which one of the ESPNs is it on today? No, it's on, it's on the place that owns them, yeah. Okay, so uh, ABC tomorrow, 1 o'clock. We'll be back here after postgame, certainly to have uh, much conversation as it's always lively in the postgame and livelier still, one would presume, after yet another accused Georgetown game. With that, our final break. We'll come back with a final wrap here today and a look ahead, see what's on tap as we wrap up the program today on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.